Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This is a live episode of The Grange Point, recorded at YSA Melbourne's Open Day on the 12th of April. Now, this episode featured a panel of fantastic Grange Point contributors with Lauren and myself as MCs, involving audience participation in various different quiz rounds. We've been through some misconceptions in part one, and now in part two, we look at some fast false facts and some odd career turns. Tune in and enjoy the show. The, the scores so far do suggest that the Lachlan is not doing too well, but everyone else seems to be doing fine. We're going to involve the next part of the question, which will involve audience participation, and this one will involve basically some fast, false scientific facts. And I'm going to hand over to Lauren to sort of lead the charge on this one. Okay, so what's going to happen in this round is we're going to need four volunteers for each of our four panellists. What's going to happen is each panellist is going to try and convince you of um, three different facts. One of those facts is a fact that we've made up. The other two are completely true. So we're going to need some volunteers. Can we have our first volunteer? Yep. Yep. Yeah, come up front. Come up front. So you're going to be versing James. James is going to try and convince you. So David, I have three options for you. A first, first fact. There's a mysterious planet in the outer solar system named after an American vice president. Fact two. Asteroids have rings, like, say, Saturn. Fact three. Two-thirds of Americans believe that the sun goes around the Earth. Which of those facts do you think is false? Uh, the second one. No, actually, asteroids do have rings. The false fact there is the Americans. In fact, only one quarter of them believe the sun goes around the Earth. I'm not sure that's the They're not as dumb as we uh, think they are. Thank you very much. We'll have another one, too. We... <laughs> now, one of the winners from this, from this round will also be involved in the, the showdown challenge at the end. So, and there will be prizes awarded at the end. So, another volunteer for this? You know, it's a very simple job. All you have to do is like discern some lies, guys. Yeah. Oh, sorry, come over to the side. You can come up the front. Can I, have, like, can I just get all the volunteers? If anyone else wants to come, that would be great. Okay, come on. I need one more. One more brave soul. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> we'll get you for the next one, don't worry. Oh, right. I promise. Yeah, okay. It's up. So, um, Camille is going to be trying to trick you. Alrighty, you got to tell me which one of these are a lie. So, peeing in the pool is totally fine. Everyone can do it. There's no consequences. Swimmers do it. Don't worry about it. Like, they've got new chemicals that allow it to be clean and safe. Okay, second fact, um, bacteria can now be used to power rockets. So, in the fuels they create, they turn it into fuel. And the third one is coating, like marinating meat in an alcoholic coat is, makes it good. Exactly. Trying to find a lie. Yep. Yes. So which of those facts are actually fiction? What's the first one again? The first one is that peeing in the pool is totally fine. Peeing in the pool. Peeing in the pool. It's not okay to pee in the pool. <laughs> so the second one. Why is it okay to pee in the pool, So the second one? Yeah, it's a lie. Oh, no. Actually, bacteria can... Should have stuck with your instincts, mate. <laughs> Should have stuck with number one. Um, 
but you um, bacteria is actually being used like, to fuel rockets. So it's kind of being an experimental stage at the moment, but it's actually really not good to be in a pool because the combination of sweat, urine, and chlorine makes like pretty much... Oh, Deadly neurotoxin. Deadly neurotoxin, sorry. Thank okay. you for playing Thank you. All right, Chris. All right, Chris, you trust me, right? To a level. To a level, okay, I like that. Cool. Okay, so you know bleach, the thing that kills all microbial life, just destroys it completely? It was actually the source and the origin of life. It, it catalyzed the creation of life. The second fact is, you know Spider-Man, he's a red dude about this high, quite strong, has webs and stuff? Spider silk is about as strong as industrial steel. And the third fact is that shrimp can be turned into a plastic cape and worn as a fashionable accessory. What was the first one again? Um, bleach is the source of human life. I'm going to go and say the third one is false. Actually, shrimp have um, shells that are made of polymers, so molecular chains, and they can be linked together to make plastic. The false fact is that spider silk, though it can be quite strong, I need to genetically modify it um, to make it strong as steel. You can actually grow goats that make spider silk. That is really, really strong. It's really gross and cool. Oh, With spider silk, you can't Thanks, have spiders all at once because they're carnivores, so they're going to eat one another. <laughs> like, oh, that's true. Yeah. You, you can't have spiders to make them silk. That's that, true. That, that is a, a limiting factor. <laughs> Cannibalism is a limiting factor. Oh, hi, Oakley. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Three things for you. And, and, let, and if you win this, you will be like the winner of this round and like straight through to the final. So just letting you know, because yep. no one else has got it. You are a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, consequently, no pressure. pressure. Let's do this. <laughs> Alright, let's do this. So, first fact. In CSI, you know, the, you know, the show, uh, when they're like investigating the scene of a crime, it's not actually possible to condemn a suspect based on the residue of the gun. They can't actually tell anything from the residue of a crime scene. Next fact, your brain knows when it's had enough to drink, so water or otherwise, um, and it will tell you to stop, even if you've not had eight glasses of water. And the last one is strictly limiting um, a surgeon's, um, like preventing surgeons from working over time. It doesn't actually help them to um, work better. So if you make a doctor take more time off, they're not a better doctor. I'm fairly sure the second one is true. Okay. Well, you, need, you need to identify <laughs> one more. <laughs> You're doing so well. <laughs> You're doing good. You're doing good. I'm going to say one. I think it's going to be three. I'll go with one. So you think one is the false one. statement? You're correct. So new methods well actually done. bring us more. Even though um, old heavy metals, um, which enabled this, aren't used as much, we can actually tell. Thank you very much. We'll get back to you in the final round, and thank you for playing our false facts or fiction game. So now we're going to move on to our next segment, which is called an odd career turn. So we're going to be talking about um, scientists who in the past have had very strange paths through life. They haven't been strictly going through the whole high school, college, 
college, I mean university, straight into research of science type path, and Justin will be taking over this segment. So, interestingly enough, guys, what famous physicist got rejected from the 1912 Olympic soccer team and that summer, instead of going to play in the Olympics for Denmark, win the gold, he went on to revolutionise physics. So, who was that? Einstein. Unfortunately, Einstein was reasonably famous by 1905. Um, I, I have a feeling, you said Danish. Yes. I'm pretty sure that would need to be Niels Bohr. Ah, yes, Niels Bohr. What did he do? He developed the first model that you looked at electrons being in quantized energy levels floating in shells around the atom. So not, not the most up-to-date model of um, the atom by any means, but certainly the first one that incorporated some elements of quantum mechanics. And that, that's right. And he went on to, that summer, instead of being at the Olympics, with Rutherford, developed this fantastic new model. So it all goes to show that if you obviously skip out of the Olympics, then you can go on to do some great things. So... So what did Niels Bohr actually get in recognition um, for his work by his hometown? Wasn't it a heap of beer? <laughs> Manika's actually correct. Um, in recognition for his great work, his town actually um, hooked up his house to a brewery and made it so that he could have a lifetime supply of beer whenever he wanted to. They built a pipe straight to his house. That meant he could have beer on tap. This is really bad. What is it with rewarding great minds by giving them alcohol to destroy their brains? Because... ...with things like alcohol and food came from safety work that was done, 1200 AD in, in Europe, um, and CE. Actually, they, they did work to standardise things like beer to prevent, and they're they called the German beer purity laws of Bavaria. Um, they actually were the first known recorded standardised formulas that were government legislated. You couldn't make food that breached this law because it was to keep the people safe. And that was the foundations for a lot of our food chemistry and chemistry, molecular chemistry that we use nowadays. So, yes, it was bad that they were rewarding them in such crazy ways, but it did start the foundation of what we know as chemistry. Now, now James Bond and spy movies have an awful lot of gadgets in them. And what's the connection between famous actress Hedy Lamarr and real-life spy-action drama that was happening in the wartime. What did you do with a piano and a submarine that helped turn the tide of the war? Okay, so we're, we're in an enemy submarine. We're underwater. A famous actor slash entertainer yep. is on the ship, playing as a piano player, trying to entertain all the guests, and then when they're all sleeping, she sneaks in and she kills the head of the of the opposing army. Whilst that would be a phenomenal plot for a movie, that's not Wait, quite I think I've got it. I think maybe that she was playing her piano and using her piano to send secret code messages to Penny, you know, like EEA would be fire now. Well, that would be a really quite smart method. It's kind of similar to how the Enigma machine worked. It was a consistency. Basically, a massive amount of tumblers rolling at different tumblers. Yeah, to actually make codes. But that's not quite right either. What she did was, in fact, invent something that's being used by your phones in your pocket right now. And it's called frequency hopping. So the Navy was launching torpedoes from the submarines, and they would go off, and but they radio controlled them like a remote control car on a certain frequency. Now, if you're a ship and you want the torpedoes to stop hitting you, you basically figure out that frequency that they're using and block it by putting a lot of noise in there. And the ships were doing that, so they had to keep finding new frequencies to use. And Henry Lamar came up with a system of using a piano roll, so an automated piano that, or like you'd have in a music box or one of those pianos that play itself, 
to basically change frequencies for the torpedoes, both inside the torpedo and at the transmitter, in unison, and therefore uh, basically keep, it, keep them forever in sync. And that's the same thing. Your phones use to connect to Wi-Fi routers and avoid jamming each other when you're all trying to access the same thing. It's called frequency hopping. And she invented it in the war. Hey, Monique. You're a bit of a, like, you like Lord of the Rings, yeah? Yeah. And you, do you like Star Wars as well? Yeah. Okay, well, um, so there was actually a dark wizard that was employed by MI6 during the war. Really? Yeah, Christopher Lee, who played Saruman in, in Lord of the Rings and Count Dooku in Star Wars, he was actually an operative of MI6, and Ian Fleming, wait, yeah, Ian Fleming, um, he actually used Christopher Lee's stories as a basis for James Bond. He was a real-life James Bond. That's really cool. And that was one of the really funniest parts about that is when they were filming um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lord of the Rings, and a number of other movies, Christopher Lee actually instructed the people and the directors what it sounded like when a man got stabbed in the back, having actually done it several times in defense of the realm. So keeping with the Star Wars theme, what member of Star Wars Garth was actually undertaking and publishing scientific research whilst filming? I think, I think I read this somewhere. I have this sneaking suspicion it might be Natalie Portman. Well, that's actually correct, James. Well done. What was she... <laughs> what was she publishing? What was she working on? Hovercars? And lightsabers. Explain. Okay, I hear... Like, she, was, she did some molecular biology. Yeah. yeah. I reckon she was working with bacteria um, trying to produce hydrogen fuel cells, which is the same thing as the hovercars use. It's pretty close, actually. <laughs> but I pay that. She was actually looking at production of hydrogen from sugar, which is one of the things she looked at. The bacterial yeah, and yeah. production. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What else did she study? Mitochondrions and how they make you alter the world around you. Force powers. No, not quite. But she did actually. I wish. Was it like Jedi mind tricks? Pretty good. Um, but I'm gonna try some on Justin. Okay. See if I can get some points. Can't control my hand. In fact, what she was actually working on was a thing called object permanence. And we all know that this pen is here, and will be here when if I stop looking at it. And if I turn this way, the pen will still be there. And that's an idea we call object permanence. Not, not getting into the philosophical questions if whether or not this pen exists without me observing it. Um, nothing can be proven, Justin. <laughs> it's an idea called object permanence, and that's a part of our brain that takes a long time to develop. Babies don't actually have it when they're born. And it's until a certain age when that, that part of their brain actually ticks over. And she actually wrote a paper on object permanence and recognition in the brain whilst filming Star Wars because she's a superwoman. Star Wars has fueled some other research though. Like um, they've actually said they've made something that's like a real lightsaber, but basically they've got a quantum state of light um, that you can superimpose on itself to form a type of solid matter made of light. I don't really understand it because I don't understand physics, but they, they say it's like light you can hold, except it will burn a hole in your hand. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yes. Um, yes, they have. It's effectively they use plasma, hot, boiling hot plasma, to sort of make a super sword that cuts through things. Yeah. And, and hard light lasers as well. It's, they have done some work on lightsabers. I, I think you can download a specification to build one. People have built test demo ones. It's not advised. <laughs> <laughs> some people don't have hands once it's finished. No, no, it's, it's, it's a very complicated chemical and reaction. And to fuel it, you need enough energy which probably would drain the state. So now that we're going to move on to another, another odd career turn, and Lauren's going to take us through a really rocking career turn. So most of you would have heard about the band Queen. I mean, they're an 80s British rock band 
with ridiculous energy and charisma and amazing beats, and they're said to inspire the next generation. How did they? How did they also inspire a generation of astronomers? With their ringtones. No. <laughs> <laughs> I bought myself for that. No. <laughs> so, how did Queen inspire astronomers? What's the connection between astronomy and the hard rock of Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, Queen had an album called Hot Space. Yes. <laughs> That's my point finished. And that was the link. Yeah. And how did that inspire astronomers? Are you kidding? Like, awesome guitar solos is all I need to get through a heavy day at the lab. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Not quite. Okay. What's any other connection between Queen and space? Does anyone have any? Um, in the song Don't Stop Me Now, don't they talk about rocket ships ready to explode? Like, yeah, I think that's a metaphor for his energy levels and Yeah, his, his well maybe passion. it's something to do with energy Like, energy of space mm. Zero point energy So, uh, well, they did have Hot Space um, Which was an album And they also filmed all the music For a terrible, terrible movie Called Flash Gordon Oh, saviour of the universe Duh, duh, duh. I'll give Camille points for seeing Flash. But Brian, bless him. Um, but unfortunately, it's actually really much more fascinating than that. Brian May, who's the guitarist from Queen and has fabulous massive hair, he was studying for his PhD at Queen's College. <laughs> whilst in Queen, and look, he's like, look, I'm not sure if this band will really take off, so I'll keep working on my PhD in astronomy in the meantime. As you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when Queen really did take off to atmospheric heights, he let him obviously put it on hold. But the idea he was working on is about the wobble in starlight that occurs when a planet passes in front of them. And that was really revolutionary in the 60s and the 70s when he was doing it. But it went on to form the basis of planet hunting that thousands upon thousands of telescopes and robotic probes in space are doing right now, finding all these planets outside of our solar system. And they're using a, using a technique that was developed by Brian May, the guitarist from Queen. And recently he went back and finished his PhD in astronomy and is now fully Dr. Brian May, um, which is not what really really expect from an ageing British rock star. Or is that exactly what we expect from an ageing British rock star? This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we've looked at some odd career turns in our LaGrange Point live special. Next week will be part three of the special where we look at some interesting and improbable Kickstarters as well as some fast and false trivia rounds of myth conceptions. Tune in next week for part three. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.